One thing I will say in kicking this off, we, and I'm not saying this, I didn't get points to sitting in here. We got two really good series that are about to start up. On Sunday mornings, we're starting in times like these. On Sunday nights, we're going to do Doctrine of Salvation, which is a key, key, key important doctrine. And there are a lot of spinoff topics from that that are hot and important today. And these give you wonderful opportunities to invite friends and neighbors to, because there's going to be some stuff that can really impact their lives. So take advantage of those opportunities. And the reason I'm up here is because, you know, when, when your pastor found out that he had to preach, you know, he said, oh, I'll go pull out something. You know, we were trying to give him shortcuts and things he could do, and, 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 but he wouldn't do it. You know, when he goes and prepares, he's taking like 25 to, to 30 hours. And so he knew that there's no way he could do that, stay focused. And, and uh, you know, so that's why I'm up here tonight. But I'm thankful for the opportunity. And I'm going to share with you as quickly as I can. Uh, but he's going to be talking about salvation. I'm going to talk a little bit about baptism tonight, okay? And, and I'm going to go to maybe a little different angle to it. I'll probably leave out some stuff because it looks like I'm on youth minister time frame tonight. But basically, one of the things that if I could vent not at you but with you about is as Baptists, one of the things that we need to get better at is celebration, we need to be more of a celebrative people. It is a privilege that we get to come to worship. We're under no threat in coming to worship. We're all over the world. They are. And we get to openly raise our hands and praise God. And we need to be more open and we need to be more celebrative. Now, you don't need to do it for show or whatever, but just out of that open heart, there just needs to be a willingness to praise God because sometimes we as Baptists can kind of the life out of things. You know, weddings, how many, you know, most men in here, oh, great, a wedding this week, you know, unless it's yours, I cannot wait, Woohoo, man, I'd much rather do that and watch a football game. And it's because the truth of the matter is, we've, the life out of weddings, you know, growing up, I'm going to go sit there, I'm going to go in the basement, I'm going to eat some mints and drink some bad punch. Oh, this is exciting, you know. Where's the celebration? You know, Christian wedding, it ought to be different. It ought to be something that we celebrate. This is a wedding set apart for God to honor and to glorify Him. We ought to celebrate our funerals. It ought to be a celebration. Yeah, this is a wonderful person that made life better, and we're going to miss them because they brought brightness and joy. But my goodness, they're going to a much better place. And yes, there's tears, but there ought to be joy, and we ought to celebrate and every Sunday morning to get to celebrate a relationship with Jesus Christ, now we ought to be a celebrative people. And one of the things about baptism, baptism should be a celebration. Now I'm going to cover a couple of boring things real quick, okay, about baptism, just because you need to know it. We are Baptists, okay? That name was thrown on us by those who were not real fans of us, just like you might say, well, Who's that church down there? Well, that's where Crazy Joe meets. Well, that was Crazy Joe's church. Well, what was that church down there? Well, that's the pie church. Oh, you go there and you get pie. What was that church? Oh, that's that church. Those people that baptize again after you, you know, as an adult. And so that name, those Anabaptists, those that baptize again, those baptizers kind of got thrown on us, you know, as a put down. But it's one of two ordinances or sacraments. We don't use the word sacrament a lot because sacraments sometimes get tied into having a... A, a, a salvation, a sal, you know, um, 
part to it. So we use the word ordinance. Jesus established them. He set them apart for us to continue to do, to, to, to picture, to remind us of things. So, so we continue those things. We have a, and this sounds redundant, but we have a baptistic view of baptism, which basically means it is appropriately administered only to those who give a believable profession of faith in Christ. That's the ones that a lot of your predecessors got jailed, got beaten, got killed over. Basically over the mode of baptism, which is immersion, and who was to be baptized, which we said it was someone that could give a believable profession of Christ. And those are things that if you go back into our history after the Protestant Reformation, when there were those that were trying to reform the church and that didn't work, so they separated out. And they basically separated out over the issue that salvation is by faith and we need to base that on the word of God. But a lot of those early separatists continued with paid over or, or infant baptism. And so some of the predecessors looked and said, well, if we're going to follow scripture in every area, it's pretty clear here that in the New Testament, those that were being baptized were those that had made a profession of faith in Christ, those that had confessed Christ. And so from that came out uh, your Baptist brethren. I'm not going to go into all that, but in 1609, basically, and you can get on Wikipedia or different things, and you read a pretty good you know, history uh, about that. But because of that... Like I said, a lot of you read that, you know, this was not just some minor issue. And this was not just an issue between Protestants and the Catholic Church. A lot of Protestant churches to this day still practice infant baptism. That's not something necessarily that we have to separate over, okay? It depends. If they're looking at infant baptism as this saves and sets this part a kid, that's a little different matter. But if it's, you know, a lot of our... Um, Protestant brethren look at it as, and there's several, if you listen to AFR, that uh, practice this, but, you know, basically look at it. We're, setting the, we're saying this child is safe in Christ until they come to the point in time where they have to make a profession, and we're taking our responsibility to bring them up in Christ. Okay, I get that. That's not what we, you know, uh, practice because, again, we just don't see a New Testament model for that. So who are the subjects of baptism? Again, it's those that recognize that they need to be cleansed due to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. What is the age of baptism? It's basically, again, where somebody can make a believable profession in Jesus Christ. Who can baptize? We don't really see any restrictions on that. It does look like in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Acts 2, 41, that was kind of transferred to the mission of the local church. And so most baptism took place out of the local church. But if Zach's in another city and leads somebody to Jesus Christ and that person walks by a swimming pool and says, there is much water, can I not be baptized? Zach can take him over there and baptize him as long as he has got a profession of faith uh, in Jesus Christ. But again, the things that kind of separated us apart was the mode of baptism and who was being baptized. But that's not, those are just a few little basics, but that's not really what I want to focus on tonight. I basically want to focus on the word baptize and four words uh, that we can take from that. Now, again, just a little background, obviously, um, I will give that in uh, John chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. 
this is where uh, John the Baptist came on the scene and baptized Jesus. And it says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At the moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Uh, Larry Oates, who teaches at uh, Mariantha Baptist Seminary, you know, said uh, New Testament baptism has its origins, origins with John the Baptist. And his baptism, and we say this same thing, his baptism was a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, a baptism that was visible, that was outward, and it was an outward expression of an inward change in your attitude towards God's one's sinfulness and one's need for repentance. Now, at this time, John didn't know who the coming Messiah was. He soon would, you know, right after the baptism. But in John 131, he says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And uh, Larry Oates would also suggest uh, that this was also, this baptism was a rejection of the Jerusalem-based unbiblical Judaism of the day. A Jew who was baptized by John identified himself with a return to genuine Judaism which saw mankind in the need of a savior. And Jesus baptized in looking forward to this coming Messiah. So Jesus came and submitted to this baptism. He certainly didn't need to repent of anything. But he was basically saying, I'm the one that is going to die and be resurrected. And the word baptize, as we'll see in a minute, and I'm telling you now, means identify. So he was coming to identify with sinful man to say, I'm going to be the one that comes to be that perfect sacrifice and that's going to die for your sins, It's going to raise up in victory over sin and death, and going to be the one that establishes you in that relationship with God and fulfills the, the coming uh, promises. So, And then Jesus affirmed that baptism, obviously, after his resurrection at the Great Commission. And at the Great Commission... Uh, in 28, 19, and 20, basically, he said, go into the, all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. And sometimes today, people get caught up in the Great Commission. They say, well, it's all about making disciples, making disciples. But before you can make a disciple, you have to share the gospel with them. You, you, baptize means to identify with Christ. They're identified with Christ, and then you begin that discipleship process. And the Jewish people understood the implications of baptism. They understood it, especially someone that went from a um, pagan or a Gentile background into Judaism. Because if one of us as adults was going to be baptized a Jew, there was a sacrifice that we had to pay for. So there was a cost based on our income that we would have to pay for this sacrifice. Then we had to be circumcised uh, as an adult male. And so you aren't just going to go, okay, well, this will be good for business to go join this church, or I'd like my kids to associate here and get to know some other kids. You were thinking this through pretty seriously. If at 40 or 50 or 30 or whatever, you're going to go through uh, circumcision. And not only that, then you were baptized, and your baptism, again, most times was done in the nude. Now, it was men with men, women with women, but you went in with nothing. When you came out, they put a white robe on you. So it was very humbling thing that you submitted yourself to. You thought about this. This was a serious action 
that you were undertaken to be identified with. So baptism wasn't just something they think, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, maybe I can slip by and they won't ask me about it. It was something that you thought through, and Jewish people said, you know what, I, you know, a Gentile going to Jesus, I want to be identified with this. I know in an occupied country there may be a cost to this. You know, you complain about our tithe. You know, their tithe was probably anywhere from 25 to 35 percent that they had to give. There was these festivals, rituals, you know, unique clothes and things you had to wear. But they're like, I want to be identified with this religion. And early Christians that came to Christ wanted to be baptized as well because they said, I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. And I know there's a cost. Not only are this occupying country think we're a strange people in a strange cult, and the Jewish people don't support us, and it may cost me family, and it may cost me jobs, and God may say, go here, and there's this whole standard of living that I'm going to have to go under that may change my views about marriage and sexuality and work and money, but I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. So they understood baptism, and they wanted to be a part of that. So there's four words that I think help understand it that I want us to look at real quick as we finish up. The word baptize means immerse or to dip, or it signifies being covered. Carl Lance, he says, the word baptize is a Greek word which has been adapted into English language. Uh, the root word bapto means to dip or to dip and to die. Baptizo is an intensive form of bapto. It means to dip or to immerse. I know that's all very exciting. The word is used in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible to describe Naaman's sevenfold immersion in the Jordan River. But it's talking about being covered, completely immersed. That's why we use the mode of baptism is going under the water, because that pictures the death. There were words that they could have used, as I said, for pouring or sprinkling, but they didn't. They used a word that was interpreted immersed. Because of all the political stuff, when our Bible got translated into English, instead of translating it to the word immerse, they left the word baptize, which has created some, some issues. And I guess just because we've adapted that word into our English, even modern translations leave that word uh, baptism there. But it means to immerse or dip. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. When you are immersed in Christ, you are covered by him. The old is gone, and you are a brand new person in Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are covered in Christ. You are marked by the Holy Spirit. You're not your own anymore. You're his. And that's something to celebrate. Because this old body, this old self, was going to die. And it was going to be judged. And as Chris preached about eloquently Sunday, it's going to be forever rejected from God. But because we're covered in Christ, yes, we're going to die. But we're going to raise up and we're going to have a new body that gets to live with Jesus forever in heaven. So it's important to understand that when we go under, yes, we're immersed. We're immersed in the death of Christ, and there's that second word that kind of has a very similar meaning to that, the word cleansed. But the word cleanse here is actually referring to the word is used of ships that sink and who people who drown. It's a death. And we understand to be totally, completely cleansed from sin, there has to be a death to self. 
So there is a cleansing that comes through death. Um, Acts 1.5 says, uh, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. In Matthew 3.11, as for me, I baptize with water, but one who is coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This death, this cleansing, is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. That's why we reject regenerate. Um, yeah, regenerational baptism, which is basically saying the water saves you, that you've got to be saved. You know, we've, we've, I grew up in a part of the country where there was a large contingent of people, uh, and so I believe good Christians, I just believe they were wrong on baptism. But, you know, they thought if you don't get in that water, so it's like if I go home tonight and, and, and I share Christ with Wayne, we've got to get back up here and get him under some water because if he dies on the way to church, he's going to hell. But there's that regenerational baptism. But the baptism that saves you is something only Jesus Christ can do. It is a baptism with holy fire. He is the one that, you know, puts that old self to death and raises us up a new person in Christ. So it's a cleansing that only he can do. And then the third word that I want us to think about is the word identified. And this is a beautiful word. It says red cloth would come out of a vat of red dye. Blue cloth would come out of a vat of blue dye. The cloth was identified by its new color. Newly dyed cloth is identified by its color. Christians who are baptized or immersed become identified with Jesus Christ and his followers. Uh, this is evident by the formula that Jesus gave his disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're to be identified with Christ. So they were familiar with this dyeing process where you had this piece of cloth, and it's a good color, it's an okay color, but it's not the color that the purchaser wants it to be. And Christ is the one that purchased us, and we're not the color that he wants us to be. And so we are immersed, and we die, and we come up a new color, a complete new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be immersed in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be identified by him in a new way. Uh, a couple of verses, Galatians 2.20 says, You have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. You're no longer alive. You've become this new person, and you are identified with Jesus Christ. When people look at you, they should see Jesus Christ. And if Christ has come alive in you, that's what they'll see. A couple other verses. Matthew seven sixteen says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn brushes or figs from thistles? John thirteen thirty five. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The dye that we're going to be transformed into is going to be a dye of love. The dye that we're going to be transformed into, that color, is going to be a, a, a color that people will know that fruit. It's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Those things are what are going to mark our, our life. And so baptism isn't just a going up here and getting wet. Baptism is to, send, is to recognize the fact that the old me is gone and that there is a new me that is made alive in Jesus Christ. And that ought to be evident. And therefore, when we come to church, the last word here is we ought to come to celebrate every time somebody goes into that water and comes out. Because hopefully, they're coming out a new creation. You know, our responsibility is simply to share the gospel. You know, the parable of the sower and the seed talks about that. Yeah, there's going to be people that come forward and uh, they flame up for a little while. They're excited and they go back to the old. There's going to be people that come up and they're excited for a little while longer and then the things of the world choke them out. 
our responsibility is to sow seed because there's going to be those that come up and they produce a crop that is tenfold, twentyfold, fiftyfold, a hundredfold. Our job is simply to sow the seed. Christ does the saving work. He makes that saving work available to all, and we're to share it with all. But that saving work is his responsibility, and all we can do is so. But our hope is that we've shared the gospel, we've heard a testimony, and therefore when somebody goes up there in that water, that now they're a new creation in Jesus Christ, never to be separated from the love of God. They have an eternal purpose to their life. You know, uh, health, wealth, gospel is just false prophecy, okay? As far as God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, that's not the pattern we see in the New Testament. But here's what's true. God wants you to live a life of power and purpose in every person alive on this earth, whether they die at 7 or 8 or 98, can have a life of power and purpose. Every person, whether they live in a third world country of poverty, can have a life of power and influence and purpose. No matter who you are, no matter your educational level, your background, the mistakes that you've made, what you've been through, you can have a life of power and purpose. Because when you die to self and let Christ cover you and make you anew and let him fill you, and you can go out and impact the world. You can do whatever it is God has called you to do. And he has a purpose and he has a calling on your life. But it starts with us being willing to die to self and let Christ come alive in us. So at our invitation tonight, I want to challenge you. If you've never followed through in baptism, because, you know, sometimes it's easy, eh, it's not that important, or maybe, you know, sometime earlier in your life, you did it, you didn't know what you were doing, later you got your life, life with Christ. Truth of the matter, that, that didn't mean something. It should mean something. It should mean, say, I want to publicly identify with Christ, and I am not ashamed of it. That's what we see in the early church. This may mean death to me, but I don't care. This may mean loss of family, loss of business, but I don't care. I want to be publicly identified with Jesus Christ. And so they were boldly baptized. And we need to not be ashamed and be willing to be identified with Jesus Christ. So if you've never followed through with that or post-conversion, you realize, you know, earlier I did, but it, you know, then after that I got my life. You need to. It's important. It's about obedience to Jesus Christ. And we need to be obedient to Christ in every area of our lives. And certainly somebody here, if you've never received Christ, receive that gift and celebrate through baptism that you get to forever be with Christ and never be separated. As believers, let's be committed to go out and take this message. Yes, because we heard Sunday, we want to rescue people from hell because that's where they're headed without Jesus Christ. But also because we want then people when they're rescued to be able to celebrate that now I'm safe and forever in the hands of God. And we need to have God impress on our hearts the names of one or two family members and friends that we're constantly praying for and looking for opportunities to invite to church, to cultivate relationships, to share our faith with and let God keep that on our hearts. So every Sunday, we're celebrating somebody new coming to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us and caring for us. And Father, thank you that you are willing to humble yourself to leave the glory, the beauty, the perfection of heaven and come to earth as a baby. And then, Father, you were willing to humble yourself at baptism, knowing that by accepting that mission, 
you would be beaten and whipped and spit upon and crucified. But Father, you humbled yourself to, to receive that because you loved us so and wanted to reconcile us with the Father. And Father, we praise you and we thank you for that. Father, help us as your people not to be ashamed to be identified with you. And if we need to follow through in baptism, Father, let us be willing to do that. But Father, help us all in here to be committed that every day we want to live a life that identifies ourselves with you. And Father, we want to share a faith so other people can come to know you and be identified with you. Father, whatever we need to do, ever how we need to follow through, give us the courage and love and obedience for how much you love us to follow. In your holy name we pray.